All right. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Breed 911 podcast. Today, we are with Ben Pelton. Ben is from Miami, Florida, um, hometown. Ben played lacrosse uh, growing up and in college, a defenseman for Florida State University. Ben is a, I would call him, from what I've seen, is a mobility expert, Wim Hof level two instructor, oxygen advanced uh, instructor trainer. Uh, ben, I believe you're going to correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, recent purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and yeah. uh, love his, loves his hydration, loves his breathing. And uh, we're just going to have a conversation about all the things that Ben's up to and Ben's interested in. And uh, yeah, how'd I do? Awesome. Awesome. Excited to be here with you. Bro, give me, because uh, uh, this is our first time meeting uh, without over text or uh, Instagram. Man, give me like a brief background on on you and and what you're what you're all about. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. But um, yeah, from Miami, I was an athlete my entire life um, because of my athletics. I went to FSU to play sports. And then I graduated and realized uh, I graduated with my degree in philosophy. I realized that I enjoyed coaching. So I did some coaching for FSU's lacrosse team and then some of the local club teams. And then from there, uh, just got into more physical therapy, um, helping people feel better. I had my own story, my own issues with lower back pain from trying to be a bodybuilder and a yogi at the same time. <laughs> the spine doesn't like that. So um, I was suffering from, you know, episodic back pain. And that really pushed me on this journey of like figuring out solving lower back pain. And then that took me into breath work because in order to resolve your spine, you got to really have control over your diaphragm. So from there, I just got deep into breath work and therapy, and then I stumbled into jujitsu. And then next thing you know, um, five years later, I'm a purple belt in jujitsu. That's amazing. Five years. Yeah, yeah. That's been pretty, working. That's pretty quick. <laughs> you you've been working hard. Yes. Yeah, yes. I'm. A, I like so Brazilian jujitsu is. Uh, I've never trained any martial arts, um, but it's now so many people in my world have been like, it's brought into my space. Right. And I'm like, all right, at some point I gotta, cause I know, how, I know how humbling it's going to be. Well, I think the most important thing for people to recognize is how important self-defense is. It's just right. understanding some simple techniques that you can use to defend yourself. If you needed to deal with some, some situation or maybe even save someone that's going through something difficult, you can use your, your skills through jujitsu to help with that situation. So uh question about jujitsu. So you train a lot. Do you train for, cause you're a former athlete. I mean, you're a current athlete, but a former like collegiate athlete. Um, do you train? What's the best part for you? Is it the training? Is it the competition? Cause I see you do compete a, a bit. Yeah. So I'm is competing it, this weekend. Is it the community I, or. Um, first it was just a new movement practice i had people that told me like you would be really good at jujitsu based on my mobility practices and my movement practices so when they told me hey join jujitsu i wasn't really into it and then when i moved to a new city i decided i wanted to join a community and so i just looked up jujitsu and then i found this master instructor there and decided to join the community uh day one i already knew it was for me i just realized that this was a cool um martial art i never done martial art in my entire life so this was my first time doing a martial art and it's an amazing practice so um what i really do for it me is just being an athlete being consistently training improving myself and then really the biggest thing for me was the self-defense like 
I didn't know how to fight. I didn't know how to defend myself. When you learn that and you actually practice it and then go and test yourself in a competition and you realize you can do it, you can actually defend yourself against another grown man. Um, it's very empowering. It's very empowering to realize like, okay, you can handle yourself. It's like that. It's that man in the ring, right? Like you're not necessarily fearful of any other. I mean, you know, you never know who's got training, but necessarily on the street, right? Like I don't have to be afraid, right? I know if I get in a fight I or if someone needs protection, I can step up. That's really cool. Yeah. I try to say like, if they don't know training, then they mess with the wrong guy. <laughs> you know, it's like they just right. shouldn't have barked up that tree if they really did something silly. Right. Right. Cool, man. Well, and then like, tell me a bit. So you say you got into breath work. I know you're into Wim Hof stuff. Um, I know you do a lot or have done a lot with them. How did you specific, like, what was the entry? So for me, it was Wim Hof was the entry point into the breath work, which led into the cold and all that stuff. It was actually the reverse it was the cold that led into the breath work for me. Where, did, how did you find, and I literally found Wim on YouTube. Like that's, that was the, my yeah. journey. Where, where, like, how did you come across that? So my journey with breathwork started back in like high school when I went to a yoga studio here in Miami and I actually got introduced to some breathwork through yoga and then um, pranayama practices, you know, single nose, in and out, all those different techniques. I was already practicing it way before I heard about Wim Hof, probably like 2010 is when I was really learning about the pranayama and the yogic breath breath practices but um yeah i was in a physical therapy facebook group and someone posted a link to a tim ferris podcast with wim hof and i listened to that and i was like wait a second this human climbed mount everest in a bathing suit how is that possible and um yeah that was it i i looked into i listened to him i knew i wanted to meet him then I started watching the Vice documentary and all these things. And then, um, yeah, I just knew I needed to meet him. Like before there was even a concept of being an instructor for him, I wanted to just meet Wim. Right. Be around, be around that energy. For sure. So I was going to go to Spain and do this uh, expedition with, with him in Spain. And as I was like researching the, you know, the logistics through the website, a new tab popped up and it was uh, Academy. And I thought, wait a second, this is perfect. Like, I'm already an instructor in all these other methodologies for physical therapy. Wait, I can become a Wim Hof instructor? How cool. And so there was 50 spots for this LA level two, two days, you know, event, educational thing. And I'm like, 50 spots? I'm signing up right now. Boom. And I committed. And then, yeah, from there, they narrowed it down to 26 of us that got invited for the actual certification five-day process with WIM in Colorado. And yeah, they accepted me and that's, that's the history. That's amazing. What year was that? That was in 2016. Amazing. So you've been, you've been, you've been coaching people through Wim Hof stuff for, for a minute. Yeah. 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 I, I call myself the, the founding father or the groups, the group, we call it a, the alpha team. You know, right. like we're the original group that That's set amazing. up in the U.S. That's so cool. Awesome. I heard an interview or I watched an interview or a podcast with you uh, getting into like some cold stuff um, where you guys were up with Wim. I think it was in Colorado and he took you guys to another level. I remember you talking about when you got out, your feet felt like bricks, like just solid bricks. 
and and the story you told about you know putting your wool socks on right it's like it, it like slipped and I, I think it would i think it would be interesting to you recount that story and then also to talk about um because when i take people through cold everyone's like my feet hurt it's like yeah like all, there's no blood like all the blood is going to your core like your your extremities are it's gonna hurt I, I think people underestimate how much it hurts and how long that they can maybe sit in that comfort and the danger zone within that. And I think it'd just be interesting to talk about like, get it. Cause you said you kind of got to that next level um, of you. Oh, I can go a lot farther than I think. I think that'd be kind of interesting to recount that story and maybe pull a, pull a lesson out of that. Sure. Um, so I, in Colorado, it was the instructors. It was the 26 of us. And we got into this mucky, like, <laughs> this is gross pond that was just barely freezing over. And, like they, uh, they didn't scout the location beforehand, eh? They no, saw the of like, oh, there's water. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we're coming all the way from Europe. So let's cross our fingers. Let's hope Colorado's <laughs> got the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we found this pond and like runoff and yeah we got in and they just kept us in and you could see though everyone shivering over the water you know you just see these ripples of everyone just shaking and no one's gonna be the one to quit right no one wants to be the one to be like okay i'm done this is too much for me like hello so um yeah we just kept cruising and it just kept shivering and kept just pushing through that discomfort. And then, of course, when it's time to get out, everyone's excited. And we start getting our bearings together. And I'm looking for my my warm gear because we have to walk. We walked, I think, about an hour. It was like an hour hike in the cold before we got to the pond. And then once we got to the pond, yeah, and of course, you know, you want to test yourself. So I didn't wear I wore my T-shirt and shorts. You know, everyone, some people had jackets on, but I was like, no, we're we're going. So already sending the cold therapy in process through the hike, get in the cold water, freezing the cold water, get out. Now it's time to go back. So I tried to put on my gear and as I'm putting on my socks, I just can't get it on my foot. I'm shivering. I'm like really trying to focus. And I realized that, you know, I didn't want to waste more time or more energy being cold colder than i had to be so i really had to deep dive in and focus and just take the time like let's do this one more time correctly and just slid on the socks and it all worked out so um you know i guess a good lesson out of that is just being focused really um taking the time to have confidence in yourself and realize that if you really focus you can get the task done and were you worried of all about the level of like frostbite or cold or like, were you like your feet, we said were like bricks. Were you worried at all? Like, shoot. Like, no, no, no. Because I, I already was training like intensely. I had a freezer in Florida that I was bathing in and taking really cold ice baths in the freezer. I was preparing for this expedition and certification thinking that like, it's going to be like the vice video, like just chaos. And to be honest, we were there in a time period where the snow wasn't fully everywhere. And I, I felt like it could have been a more intense experience. So I started talking to some of the, the other instructors and they're like, oh, have you been to Poland? And I'm like, what's in Poland? They're like, Mount Shinetska. You haven't gone? And I'm like, nope. So they're like, okay, you want to get tested? Go do Mount Shinetska. So to 
to carry this over, I did sign up. I got to go on an expedition with uh, Casper, who was, you know, one of the original instructors for the academy. And Casper did this retreat over there. I helped out as an instructor. But that's where I got tested. That was like negative 10 degrees. The whole hike was brutal. I had blisters because I had the wrong boots. I mean, it was it was definitely a supper fest the whole trip. Right. Um, so then, okay, so then carrying that into like today, what does your, because everyone's got their own um, setup or what they can do for cold. Like, like I know in Florida, your, like your water out of your tap probably doesn't get below, I don't know, 50, 60. 70. Or, 70. Right. Yeah, if so we're lucky not, in the winter, we'll get 69 or 68. Right. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, up here, we're, I'm in Canada. So up in Canada, um, right now, I don't have a cold bath where I'm at. I got a shower. So every morning I do a shower and it's, it's cold and I get, I get cold enough. And for me, it's, I'm how I'm training right now. It's the mental game for me. It's like, okay, first thing in the morning, last thing I want to do, get cold. I'm just going to do it. And it's not so much the physical that I'm looking forward to building what's between my ears right now. Right. But I'd just be interested. And I do a minute and a half. Every morning I try and get to that, you know, 11 minute bark by the end of the week. What, what do you do on like a maintenance weekly basis sort of thing? Yeah. Right now, um, just due to a living situation, I'm doing ice baths every two weeks. Um, I wish it was more, um, but I have a chest freezer. It's at my mom's house. I'm actually about to convince her to let me get back in on it. Um, but when I had accessibility to my freezer, I would do it five days and then take a day off and then let that rest or even two days off and then do another five day rotation. And would you do so, like, three, would you do like three minutes or something? So the st my story is that I, I recommend people to take two minutes for 30 days. If you have ice cold water consistently, you should do two minutes for 30 days. And by the end of the 30 days, you'll feel huge difference in your ability to deal with the cold. Once you get past that that zone of two two for thirty, it's really up to you to de determine how far you want to push yourself. For example, I was with Wim, and I was telling him like, "Hey, you know, two's pretty easy," and he's like, "Go do five. So he's like, "You know, you should push yourself to five minutes." And so then I started doing five, but um, five's tough. Five's tough at 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 thirty two, thirty three. Yeah. Um, but what I did is I used my knowledge in fitness training. And there's a book that teaches you about super compensation for powerlifting, like how to actually get strong using weight training. And I use those principles for cold exposure training. Right. So you have to you have to adjust the exposure or intensity stress exposure of the cold cyclically so that you can allow your body to have these moments of adaptation. Right. So, so what I like to recommend, if you're really about it, is doing two minutes day one, two minutes day two, two minutes day three, and then day four go to five minutes. Day five go to five minutes. Day six actually drop back down to two minutes, and then day seven rest. So what happens is, as you go through your twos, it's easy. Then you hit that five on day that first one, and it's like, whoa, that was intense, and you feel it. You're like, whoo. Then you do the next day five. It's not as hard. Right. Then you go back down to your two and you're like, oh, that's a joke. All then day. you give yourself a rest day. Right. Right. And then go back to a two and it's a joke. And then you're like, oh, OK. So then I create this wave 
of high intensity, low intensity, high intensity, low intensity. And it really allows the body to adapt nicely. Right. It's kind of like that, like, uh, like what they do on Everest, right? Like they acclimatize, then they come back down then they go a little bit higher then they come back down. Right. Same, same sort of concept. Cool, man. Cool. Um, what about your workshops that you run? Um, you, I saw online and so I don't know anything about it. Is it flow studios or something like that, that you run something out of? Okay. Yeah. So, um, Every two weeks, I just do a Wim Hof style breathwork session, and then I follow up with cold exposure, ice baths. Um, it's more about just building a community that wants to get into the Wim Hof method, but it's not like an actual fundamentals workshop. So in Raleigh, North Carolina, in June, I'm actually scheduled for a fundamentals workshop and an advanced workshop, and then I'll be back there in November to do that again. Amazing. Amazing. So that's an, so if people want to check that out and where you're doing that, where they, where they find that. Yeah. They'll just go to the Wim Hof method.com website and then look for Benjamin as the instructor. And then um, there'll be upcoming events for me on the, on the fundamentals and advanced workshops. That's amazing. Amazing. Awesome. Um, I saw, so you do a bunch of um, movement stuff as well, right? You're, you're into movement stuff. Um, I saw, I saw you, I saw, I saw you watching people walking and commenting on them. Uh, and it was heel away all day. I got no, I got not much, um, uh, expertise in, in that, in the movement zone. Talk to me about heel away all day. Yeah. So biomechanics, right? Like understanding how the actual bones are moving in the, the gait pattern or running pattern. And um so through my studies of physical therapy and trying to alleviate pain um i take i took so many different courses um i was working with a nonprofit that's in Asheville, north carolina that does farming education so they have this huge database of youtube videos of techniques for growing food organically homesteading blah 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 they wanted to incorporate health and wellness into their platform and so they helped fund part of my education to go seek out these different experts of, you know, fields of therapy and movement, whatever. So along this journey, um, really, it's come down to how we properly articulate our bones through walking and running that really mimics what we've evolved to do as a human species, which is walk, run, throw. So those patterns all look alike. But what's happened is that through weight training, we've developed different mechanisms for using our bones and to lift objects. And to lift something, it requires a totally different initiation of our bones and our muscles than running and walking. So what can happen is through lifting, you can reprogram the software in your brain, your nervous system, to start using your bones like you would for lifting while you're doing walking and running and then what ends up happening is you're getting a conflict of information at the joints the connective tissue and then people's joints start to rot out so what i was pointing out to you in the video is like a majority of people through lifestyle you know footwear sitting work habits lifting habits they've developed this pattern that we call front chain dominant which is when your hips are in front of the rib cage. So you get this kind of like banana, you get this like banana shape of your hips being in front of your rib cage. 
versus back chain, which is uh, maybe I'm doing it backwards, but essentially you want to have your hips a little bit behind your rib cage. And that, that's how we look for forward locomotion. Um, that all also goes down to the foot, how you load the foot. And so um, hopefully I'm making myself clear to you yeah, yeah. that there's a program called GOTA, G-O-A-T-A, GOTA. It stands for greatest of all time actions. And it's based on film using slow motion video to record indigenous tribes people. So they have no modern influence, no modern footwear, no modern lifestyle. Professional athletes that do not get injured, you know, like Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Ed Reed, all these elite athletes that have long careers but don't have any injuries. And then you have elderly. We call them the Goda elders. And essentially you have these people that are like 70 and 80 that are still cruising. They're still doing um, track and field events. They're still competing. And you're like, okay, wait, this older person's in a wheelchair. This person's competing at their highest level at 89. What's going on here? And then they overlaid all these videos of the mechanics and started to see, wait, the indigenous person walks like this, heal away all day. The Tom Brady, the Ed Reed uses heal away technology as well. And then the go to elder uses the same technology as well. And then the final population that they studied was babies. And so you look at the baby, that's the adolescent that has, hasn't had the full modernized approach to lifestyle and they use the same technology heal away all day so it's really cool when you see all populations using the same technique in slow motion that it starts to peel the veil and you're like wait this is true people do actually use the heal away technology to move forward it's just everyone else which we call woda which is worst of all time action they're, they're using the wrong technique. And the thing is, is like, it's so indoctrinated, like lifting is like, that's how people do fitness, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go get fit. I'm going to go get healthy. They go to the gym, the box gym, and they start lifting weights. And they, they assume that that's how you get fit. So you do a lot of running. Um, have you done a lot of lifting before? No, I hardly ever lift. So like, and it's interesting you say that, right? Like you look at a Ronnie Coleman, right? Like the fittest man and he can't walk anymore. He literally broke him crutches. He's completely broken. I mean, he accomplished, he put his body through and put all sorts of things and, but, but yeah. For what? For what? For the glory, for the glory, for the, the, the metals that are rusting and getting dust on it. You know, it's like, I get it. Like he, he pushed himself to limits that other people don't and don't and haven't. But look what he's been rewarded in his actual physical body. And that's that's where I'm at. It's like I used to be interested in bodybuilding. I wanted to be a men's physique Olympian, but I started having back pain. And then when I went to these physical therapy courses that were like the prestigious classes about back pain, it came to my attention that the lifting is what was causing the back pain. So then that was it. I mean, I had a therapist tell me if I was you and I'm like this huge jack guy. I mean, they were using me as the dummy for the class. They're like, oh, look at this guy's body. He can't even breathe into his diaphragm. He doesn't even know where his diaphragm is. <laughs> and, and it's like the therapist comes to me. And he's like, if I was you, I wouldn't load your spine for 30 days with a barbell. 
And now that's all I needed to hear was that in this professional's opinion, they're like, you're in a state that if you loaded your spine, you could have a catastrophic injury. So that was it. I was done. Boom. No more. So for someone like me who does run a lot, but I've never done an assessment. I like, I've always just run off a of feel. I run distance, distance. I put a lot of miles on my, on my feet. Um, when you say heal away all day and the mechanics from someone who doesn't have a, a background and a huge knowledge in that, what's like, and I'm putting you on the spot here, so maybe not what's one or two things or, or that you could work on to improve having your hips positioned correctly or. So the biggest thing is just filming yourself, you know, set up a camera and then film yourself running towards the camera and running away from the camera. And then just being honest about what you're seeing, you know, that that's what I'm, I've been trained through my education with the certification through Goda is that I'm a video analyst now. So I can look at the slow motion video and look for specific cues on the body that allow me to say, okay, this is the adjustment you need to make. Okay. We're going to do this exercise here. So that's like part of the educational process through Goda is actually becoming a slow motion film analyst. And then once you get past that, you can really like see what's going on. But if you don't want to go through any of that process, you can just simply set up your camera, take your, your phone, whatever, set it up, run away from the camera, run towards the camera. And it's pretty obvious. Your, your heels will either come in or your heels will flip away. And really like the technical terminology is that as you're landing into your landing leg and you're loading into that leg, as you go to propel yourself off that leg and push off the ground, that entire column or leg needs to internally rotate. So it's just like when you swing a bat, that backside leg is going to internally rotate. Or if you're going to throw a punch, yeah. your leg and the back's going to spin inside. So that internal rotation that we technically should be doing all the time through walking and running is very noticeable once you see it. But the other thing that's noticeable is the opposite, which is an external rotation off the propulsion. And that's where a lot of people are stuck is they're, when they go to push off that ground, their heel flips externally rotating. And so they're kind of like, they're like dragging their legs around versus just rolling it inside is this kind of i'm not sure if you know i'm sure you do um is this kind of a lot of the stuff that david weck talks about too with his movement do you know who david weck yeah yeah i i was interested in weck method as well i used to roll the ropes i i was big on flow ropes when it started popping off in the early covid situation um you know i can roll the rope too but the thing is is that there's a conflict between the two camps right. david weck David Wex is both sides utilized, which is that he wants you to be able to push heavily through the big toe, which right. is your ins inside edge. And then the thing is, is like he he has two comparisons of like when you need to fight, you need to be able to push down on your big toe. When you need to flee, that's when you're using the outside edge. So he's a big proponent of both sides utilized. That's his whole methodology, um, which it sounds reasonable, but I want people to recognize that unless you're walking and running like the indigenous or Tom Brady's and you're really embodying that flipping of the heel away, um, 
all that strength training that they're doing over at WEC Method, it may not be contributing to those mechanics. It's kind of like you got to build that base layer and have that base layer done that heal away. But, but again, can... like, what's the point, right? Like, as a species, as a human, like, how much weight were we carrying as we evolved, right? Like, when we hunted and we got a right. kill with a bow and arrow or whatever, how much did we really carry? I mean, I know they quartered it up. They, they chopped it up into little pieces. They divvied the workout. They passed right. the workout. So it's like, should we really be spending time lifting heavy? I mean, for sports performance, that's the claim. Right. Oh, well, if you want to be big and bad, you got to lift strong and big. Like, cool. I can see that. But I'm just talking from my own experience. When I lifted, I got back pain. When I lifted, my heels don't flip in or flip out like they should. Right. So, I mean, it's hard I got an argument with a friend. He he wants to do lifting. He's done knees over toes guy with yeah. Ben Green, whatever his name yeah. is. So I'm like, dude, unless you're moving better on the film, what's the point? You know, yeah. like my lifting with Goda, they do lift weights, but it's not called lifting weights. We move weights. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's a big difference between like taking it and moving it vertically versus pushing right? The right. way you engage through a push is way different than when you lift. Right. And if you look you know, at the film of powerlifters, Olympic powerlifters, and they're doing perfect technique. They're the masters of it, right? Their feet will come up, they'll go back, and they'll land a little out. So what is that? That's reverse. They took the weight, super heavy, perfect technique, but they moved backwards. I'm not interested in that anymore. Right. You know, like I, I started lifting at 12 years old. I started having back pain around 23. 23 is when I was my absolute biggest. I was like 220, just yoked, monster. But the thing is, is I had back pain. So right. I used to have people tell me all the time, oh, your technique. Oh, my God. You, you, you squat like Tom Platts and you got legs like Tom Platts and you look awesome and blah, blah, blah. But I was broken. Like, you know. And look at Ronnie Coleman breaking. Right. So I'm not interested in that. I'm well, not interested in that. It's an awesome message, man. I love that. I, 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 that functional, the fun, functionality, right? Where, where do you want to be when you're 80, right? You've got that, you have that long-term vision of like, what am I doing today? That's going to put me in the spot that I want to be at when I'm 80, 90, a hundred years old. So that's amazing. Ben, man, I appreciate, thank you so much for your time. That was awesome. I loved, uh, I loved everything you had to offer. I think you gave a lot of value. Um, just real quick, if you want to point uh, whoever's listening to your stuff, what you're doing, anything you offer, um, your website, your Instagram, um, yeah, why don't you do that? Yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram, Ben Pelton Plan. Um, that's where I'm mostly on. And um, we've got another website called breathetheday.com. You can connect with us through there. We do corporate wellness, breath work as well. Um, you know, I do breathwork assessments and movement assessments. So, yeah, just uh, reach out. I'm always here to, to talk. I love it. I love it. Bro, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs>